Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. I'm waiting for the day they uh, have a grandfather's day. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Now this morning, I'm uh, speaking to the men. Uh, message those for everybody. Don't just think because you're not a man you have to leave. Okay? The message today is for, for everybody. And I'll be... Uh, we're going through the, the first psalm with you this morning. Powerful psalm. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. If you don't have the book, then you can use your phone and Bible app. Or you can follow along on the screen. It'll be up there. But just follow with me. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. If um, you were given a white canvas, nice white canvas, um, and a paint palette, everybody knows what they are, right? With getting ready to make, do a painting. Um, and we're given some, I mean, given some brushes. Different size brushes for different strokes and, and doing fine artwork, right? And you're asked to paint a picture of your life as a tree. <laughs> what would it look like? What would your life look like as a tree? If you were asked to paint your spiritual life as a tree, how would you paint that? What would be the outcome of that painting? Now, now ask yourself this question. Um, how would God paint me okay. as a tree? You know, go figure. A tree. See, my intention today is to have 
everyone walking out of here into your world with a renewed desire to be a man or woman who will commit to live their lives as one who reflects the very image of God. And for the men specifically, as a husband and a dad, as a granddad, as an employer, employee, whether shopping with your wife for groceries or walking in the mall. How many men shop with their wives? Yeah. Whether on the sports field with your kids, watching them play, soccer, baseball, lacrosse, whatever sport, or even playing on a team yourself. Um, whether you're young or old, dating or single, and in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. My desire is for you to have a new awareness that we have been given the awesome responsibility and privilege of living a godly life and reflecting God in our world. We are to reflect God to our world by being loving, gracious, and kind. We are to reflect God to our world by being a provider and a protector of the weak. We are to reflect God to our world by being humble, gentle, and wise. We are to reflect God to our world by being righteous, just, and blameless. Now, not everyone can lay claim to the privilege of knowing God as Father. Only those who receive Christ. John wrote in uh, his gospel, John 1.12, and he said, But to all who did accept him and believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God. And not everyone can lay claim to the privilege of knowing God as Father. Only those who are born of God. John also wrote in verse 13, he said, they did not become his children by human, by any human way, by any human parents or human desire. They were born of God. And not everyone can lay claim to the privilege of knowing God as Father, only those who are led by the Spirit. Paul wrote in Romans 8:14, the true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. You see, only those who receive Christ are born of God and are led by the Spirit have the right to receive the inheritance as His children. And as His children, we will receive all that He has for us. We will share what Christ receives. But we must share in His sufferings if we want to share in His glory. Romans 8, 17. So if you were asked to paint your life as a tree, what would it look like? If you were asked to paint your spiritual portrait as a tree, what would it look like? But the bottom line here is this. How would God paint it? Because the way your tree or your life is portrayed will either be a reflection to God, to your world of influence, 
or it will reflect a life so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So I want to pick up a brush and begin your portrait. Using the palette and the paint of Psalm 1. Now as a way of introduction, the Psalms have a wonderful capacity to capture the reality of our human experience. They express the emotions, the personal feelings, the attitudes and gratitude and, in, and interest of, of the average individual. One reason people love the Psalms is that they can, we, we, they can each usually identify the Psalm with their own personal experiences. Lawrence Richards, a prominent and prolific Christian educator, wrote this, he said, in every experience of our own, no matter how deep the pain or how great the frustration or how exhilarating the joy, we can find psalms which echo our inmost being, psalms which God uses to bring comfort and to confirm relief. Now this first psalm stands as a kind of introduction to the rest of the psalms. Its subject matter is very general and very basic, but it touches on two subjects that continually occur throughout the psalms. It declares the blessedness of the righteous and the misery and future of the wicked. Men's spiritual life is presented both in a negative way and in a positive way, inwardly and externally, figuratively and literally. But above all else, it summarizes all that is to follow in the rest of the Psalms, and for that matter, in the rest of Scripture. See, it presents two ways of life. It presents the way of the righteous and the way of the ungodly. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment as I read Psalm 1 to you again. And in your mind, I want you to imagine your portrait of a, of a tree and what it would look like. So let's do that. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So in essence, God says there are two ways of life open to us. One means blessedness, happiness, and fruitfulness, but the other means cursedness, unhappiness, and judgment. You know, the choice is ours. <laughs> blessedness is a choice. But to be blessed, one must by faith obey the conditions set out for us. 
he must consciously pursue the way of blessedness as described in this song. Walking as one who is righteous means living a life that is God-focused. God-centered. It doesn't mean we are perfect, but it does mean we live in such a way that seeks more than anything else to represent and honor our Lord in all we do, in every decision that we make, in every action that we take, in every thought that we think, in every word that we speak. So let's begin to paint, starting with the brushstrokes of the righteous. Your life is blessed. Verse 1 says, blessed is the one. <laughs> a blessed translates the Hebrew word, Assure, which has the idea of happiness and contentment. And assure comes from the Hebrew word ashar, which in its root means to be straight or to be right. So in essence, it says, blessed is the man who's, who finds happiness and blessedness and contentment in life. who will walk straight and right with God. You know, blessed means supremely happy and fulfilled. In fact, when you look at the Hebrew word, it, it's actually in the plural, uh, which denotes either a multiplicity or, or blessings, uh, blessings or an uh, intensification of them. There's an increase, always an increase, in blessedness of God. The godly are blessed by God. They prosper. They are happy. They know God has good in store because they obey the law of the Lord, taking delight in it. They think about the law day and night. The blessedness doesn't necessarily refer only to the external blessings that we can see on the outside or desire on the outside. But the internal blessings of life that is complete and secure in God. You can have nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And yet still have the blessedness of God in your life. You know, we, be, we believe that God has ultimate good and purpose in it all. We need to believe that. Righteous life is a blessed life. You keep yourself from evil. Still verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. You walk not, you stand not, and you sit not. The blessed man or woman does not do certain things. There is a way you will not walk. There is a 
path you will not stand in. And there's a seat you definitely not sit in. The righteous and the ungodly are different in how they think, in how they behave, and to whom they belong. And the, because the godly neither walks, stands, or sits with the ungodly, they should walk and will walk in integrity, humility, dependence upon God, and they live a life of self-control. They choose to set themselves apart from sin, temptation, and those who walk contrary to God's word. They know the importance of surrounding themselves with those who challenge them in the truth and in making wise choices for daily living. The righteous keep themselves from evil. You have a love for God's truth. You become one who del takes delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, as verse 2 says. You have a heart and a love for God's word. You immerse yourself in the word. You spend time reading it and think about it, thinking about it, meditating on it throughout the day and night. You don't just hear it and forget it. You think about it. It's been said about meditation. It's meditating on the word. Meditation, choose the cut. I don't know if you've ever watched a cow eat, but they're constantly chewing the cud that comes up from their stomach, ruminating it to get all the nutrients out of it, get all the value out of it so you can have your milk in the morning, right? And that's the way we should be with the word of God, meditating on it, chewing it up, um, over and over and over again. This is the way the godly bring forth much fruit. It is very guide for life. He lives by it, leads by it, and seeks to know God's wisdom. So let me ask you, what makes you happy? What gets you excited? It's a good way to see what is important to you. Because if, if personal pleasure... And things of this world is the only thing that makes you happy. Uh, then I need to tell you that maybe you are selfish and self-centered. If being with family and friends delights you, uh, that can be better, and it'd be much better. I mean, you raise the bar high with that one. But it still falls short. Because the righteous... Love. They have a love affair with the Word of God. You live a life of strength. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree that is planted near a stream of water. Your, your character is strong. You are wise. You know where life is found and know where to plant yourself. You see, your roots dig down deep into the foundation of God's truth. You soak up truth to nourish your spirit. 
the water you draw from is not stagnant and stale. You're planted by a stream of water. A stream of water that never runs dry. See, you depend on God for life itself. Even in intense times of trial, when drought and heat and darkness in, in, in the world surround you, you're not af- affected because you draw from the source that gives true life. The righteous enjoy living a life of strength. You have a fruitful, fruit-filled life. In verse 3, it also says your life always bears its fruit at the right time. See, there's, there's good that comes from a life of the righteous. You have positive, valuable, and fruitful influence on the lives of those around you. The fruit of God's Spirit is evident in your life. Fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You trust God through every season of your life. You wait for Him. You wait for His timing. You acknowledge your deep dependency on Him. The righteous will have a fruit-filled life. God's favor is with you. Verse 3, it says, your leaf does not wither, and whatever you do prospers. The righteous are prosperous. You work hard, you don't run dry, for God is with you, equipping you, filling you, and blessing you every day of your life. Your spirit is healthy, it's active and growing. God's favor is evident in your life. And you are successful in all that he calls you to do. You see, it's not a merely outward prosperity that is the true measure of God's favor. It's not what you get or what you have that's a measure of God's favor, but a deeper, more significant soul prosperity. A life handed over to the hands of God. See, God's favor is with the righteous. God watches over your way. In verse 6, it says, The Lord watches over the lives of those who are godly. You walk close to God, God protects you and knows or watches over you. Your eyes are toward him and his ears are open to your prayers. Your future is secure and safe in God's hands regardless of what it looks like today. No matter what you're up against, even in the face of death, God is with you both in this life and in the next. See, God watches over the life of the righteous. So as a person who doesn't follow the sinners, scoffers and wicked, who seeks to follow God's law, you are blessed. Extremely blessed. 
But now we see the fate of those who refuse to follow God with the strokes from a brush of the wicked, the ungodly. The writer of Psalm 1 finishes verse 3 with whatever, with whatever they, the righteous, do prospers. And then he writes this, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. You see, those who are wicked, who are disobedient and resistant and opposed to God, are like chaff thrown up in the wind, and it's gone. And don't see it again. And this was normal routine for those who grew corn and wheat. When, when harvested, the husk of corn and wheat would be separated from the grain and corn by throwing it up into the air. Big baskets. They put the wheat in and then they throw it up in the air. They catch the wheat and the chaff would be blown away. All the husk, useless, useless stuff. If you've ever watched a farmer at harvest working with a combine as he collects, collects the fruit of his labors, you will see the combine captures the corn or wheat in the combine itself. But what happens out the back end? You see the chaff, the now useless rubbish being spewed forth out into the field and blown away by the wind. This is an ordinary scriptural image in this verse. In fact, you can reference this in Isaiah 17, 13, Hosea 13, 3, and Zephaniah 2, verse 2. The destruction of the wicked and their powerlessness are linked to the chaff of a disobedient life being blown away by the wind of God's judgment. Therefore, in verse 5, it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. When the Lord judges them, their life will come to an end. See, sinners won't have a, any place among those who are godly. No place amongst the righteous. The wicked will not be able to stand during his or her judgment. The sinners will not be able to stand with those who are righteous. You can try to defend, and they will try to defend themselves all they want. but it's not going to amount to anything. They will be judged guilty because of their sinfulness, their arrogance, their self-righteousness, and their lack of a belief in God. See, the way of the liquid leads to destruction. The lives lived by the ungodly will lead to their eternal death, eternal separation from God for eternity. If God were to paint your portrait today, will he paint you walking in the counsel of the wicked, following the advice of evil people? Are you standing in the way of sinners and make a habit of doing what they do? Are you in the habit of sitting with mockers who make fun of the Lord and his law? See, there's a great lesson to be learned from walking, standing, and sitting, and it's this. Sin is progressive. Sin is progressive. One evil impulse or act leads to the other. 
He who acts by bad company may soon carry out evil deeds. And the one who abandons himself to evil deeds may end, up, may end his life in total abandonment from God. So will your life become like chaff that is the wind blows away? And if your life comes to an end, will you find no place among those who are godly? If you continue living like that, I can guarantee it will ultimately lead you to an eternal death, an eternal separation from God. Or on the other hand, on the other hand, will your life be a portrait reflecting a godly life? Being alive in Christ by being love, loving, gracious, and kind, by being a provider, protector, by being humble, gentle, and wise, by being righteous, just, and blameless? Will your life be a reflection to your world of influence by living a godly life that is blessed? complete and secure in him, marked by a walk of integrity, humility, and dependency on God while living a life of self-control. Having a love for God's truth by being immersed in the word, allowing it to be your guide for living life, being led by it and seeking to know God's wisdom. Being strong in character and soaking up truth to nourish your spirit so when times of trial and drought or darkness surround you, you will not be affected because you draw your strength and confidence from the source that gives you abundant life. You will have a positive, a positive and fruitful influence on the lives of those around you. You see, God's favor will be evident in your life. Finding success in all he called you to do, knowing your eternal future is secure and safe in the hands of God through the provision of eternal life. What's your portrait look like? That of the righteous or that of the ungodly? So bottom line today, for you. I got another. This is the second bottom line. Do you believe and trust that Jesus is Lord? If you are one of the righteous, it's not because you've been good or done good deeds. It's because you proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Proclaim Jesus as your Lord and and Savior. Because people can tell who you are by the way you live out your life in front of them. By the way you speak to them. By the way you operate around them. If we say we believe in Jesus, our actions should be in agreement with our faith. Our world should know we are different than others because Jesus has made the difference in our lives. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? 
If you can say that today, then you may be walking. If you can't say that today, then maybe you may be walking in the step with the advice of evil people. You could be standing in agreeing with those who make a habit of doing what sinners do. Um, are you sitting and joining in with those who make fun of the Lord and his law? If we say we believe in Jesus, then our portrait should reflect Jesus to the world. So what does the portrait of your tree look like today? I want to read to you 1 John 2, 15 to 17 and Romans 12, 2 because it tells us something today that I want you to hear before we close. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. If you love the world, love for the Father is not in you. Here's what people who belong to the world do. They try to satisfy what their sinful natures want them to do. They long for what their sinful eyes look at. They brag about what they have and what they, and what they do. And all of this comes from the world. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The world and its evil longings that people want in it are passing away. But those who do what God wants them to do live forever, forever. So Father, today, I pray that you would rise up a mighty new growth of godly men and women for your kingdom. Father, bless those who seek first after you. Give wisdom and help keep their feet from evil influences. Holy Spirit, instill a love and fervor for your word of truth. Fill each of us with a life of strength as we rely completely on you to guide and direct our lives each and every day. Father, I pray that fruitfulness would be evident in all our lives and others would know that it is only there by the good hand of our Father. We pray that your favor would shine over your people today and I pray that you, your protection would guard our way and keep all of us safe. May you be honored through our lives and all that you lead us to do, in every place that you lead us to walk, in every word that you lead us to speak. But Father, we confess our need for you. We confess our need that we can't do this on our own. So Holy Spirit, direct us this week. 
May we leave here determined to be the righteous. The ones who desire to see change take place in people's lives. In Jesus' name, I pray.